0: Don't just blindly jump into it. But here's the thing. If the one thing stopping you is deal flow and you are confident you can get that deal flow if you devoted your full time to it, what are you going to say when you're 80 years old? Looking back on this.
1: Real quick, before the episode, I want to give you a gift of 25% off. And that gift actually is from TransUnion Smart Move. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. Listeners of this podcast are invited to try SmartMove tenant screening for 25% off. Here's how SmartMove can help you find your next great tenant. Make a more informed decision with SmartMove's proprietary credit score built specifically for tenant screening, which predicts evictions 15% better than a typical credit score. Reduce non-payment risk with SmartMove's Income Insights Report, which enables you to analyze the applicant's income within minutes And determine if additional income verification is needed, get critical information quickly. With a full credit report, criminal background, and eviction history report, with over 5 million screenings completed, SmartMove can help you make a better leasing decision for your rental property. If you own a rental property, SmartMove can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to TenantScreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion SmartMove, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, Ryan Naris, How you doing, Ryan?
0: Great. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I'm glad that you're on the show and looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Ryan. He is a real estate investor and has been one for the past four years. He's closed on $20 million in mobile home parks, Currently owns eight parks and about 535 pads based in Charlotte, North Carolina. With that being said, Ryan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Absolutely. So I woke up one day with a corporate job and realized I hated it and realized I needed to find an escape because I was stuck. And I refused to take what the world gave me. So I picked up books. I read everything I could. I picked up the phone. I called anyone I could. I looked at about a hundred or more different possible businesses to buy because I realized I needed to be an owner. And it was rich dad, poor dad, and four hour work week. What was yeah. your job? I started off a car salesman because I graduated in '09 which was the worst year ever to graduate other than the Great Depression for jobs. I was sold this idea of, hey, go to college, you'll get a good job. You work at a good company for a long, long time. And that might have been true for my parents, but that's definitely not true for us today, us millennials. So I just refused to take what the world gave me. And I went out and I just for years... Just met people, learned, tried to figure out who I was and what I wanted to be. And eventually, I buddied up with a childhood friend, Ian Tudor, and he turned me on to mobile home parks. And I said, hey, man, if it's anything like the show Trailer Park Boys on Netflix, sign me up because that show is hilarious. (laughs) And found that it matched my skill set extraordinarily well. Flash forward, no money, no experience, no network. Four years later, found my way into over eight deals because we've sold out of a few. I hope that your listener base hears my story and goes, you know what? Why am I making excuses? If this guy can do it, I can do it.
1: Well, let's dig in there. So I had asked, what was the corporate job you're at? And you said you started out as a car salesman, but what was the last job that you were hating? That's what I was wondering. Banking. Banking. So what were you doing exactly?
0: I was in the leadership program, (laughs) which turned out to just be a lot of hype and not a lot of substance. And it was probably everything you would guess. Hey, come on in. You got an MBA. This is a big bank. We want you to be a future leader. And then you get there and you're ignored and you find you're doing copying and pasting more than actually providing a ton of value. And then you go and you do something no one else has done and provide a bunch of value and get a pat on the back and that's it. <laughs> and then it's what have you done for me lately? Whereas I'll put it to you this way. A friend of mine, my best friend just started a business and he was a former banker as well. And we were having lunch the other day and I told him at your bank, in the next five or 10 years? Were you in any danger of basically having your job removed and being able to walk away with a couple million bucks? Because that's his exit. He wants to, in five and 10 years, sell his company for a couple million bucks and ride off into the sunset, maybe start another business, maybe do something else. And we both were laughing because we were like, there's literally no way that a bank would ever be like, oh, you've done such a great job scaling this, that, or the other thing. Here's a couple million bucks go retire, go do something else that you want to do. And the United States of America is about the ability to go and start your own business and chase wealth. And I'm just so glad I did that.
1: When you were in banking, noted on being in the leadership program, but that isn't what it was cracked up to be, or at least positioned to you. But what were you doing? You weren't a teller, it doesn't sound like. What was your role within banking?
0: I was in operations. So Anytime something like a credit default swap trades, I was the guy behind the scenes making sure the trade is made properly. Got it. Sounds riveting. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm like gently trying to steer the conversation away. No, I get it. I get it. But
1: it's important (laughs) to know where you came from and what type of skill sets you were using then and what you're using now. Okay. So that was four years ago. So I'm decent at math. I can subtract. That was around 2015, Correct. Correct. Okay, on 2015, you had your corporate job in the leadership program for a (laughs) bank and you were in operations, then what?
0: I'll kind of unwind this. Wake Forest University undergrad psych major wanted to be a salesman, went and sold cars for four years, loved it until I didn't anymore because I realized I sprained my ankle once playing basketball showed up the next day in crutches trying to sell cars because I realized I wasn't getting paid to send that home with ice
1: That's got to help you sell cars when you're out there in crutches.
0: Believe it or not, it got a lot of attention. I can't remember. It'd be funny if I sold a car that day, but I don't think I did. I, I don't remember. But I just remembered that day, I don't want to get a promotion to the finance office because that sounds miserable. And then the sales desk sounds miserable. And then 20 years goes by, I'm a general manager. And the best advice my general manager had for me was go start your own business. You know why? (laughs) Because I never see my kids. So then I went and got my MBA because I figured, all right, maybe my MBA will show me what business I want to start and give me that toolkit to go start a business. And it did because in 2015, I met back up with the Intutor during my internship between my first year and second year of MBA. And then my second half of my MBA, I spent starting the mobile home park business. And then I was a year in banking working on my mobile home park business while working full-time. And then I quit to go full-time in mobile home parks in June of 2017. So as of today, that well, we're almost two years into it Mm full-time.
1: What was the first deal you did mobile home park and what was your role in that deal?
0: Our first deal was an 89-lot park, 1.525 mil acquisition. And we wanted to use that as a training wheels deal. So we grabbed that deal and we went out to try to get debt financing and we reached out to 40 banks and I am proud, Joe, to tell you that I got 40 no's. Every single bank rejected me. And here's the sad part about it. That deal has been an absolute home run in terms of debt coverage ratios and anything a bank would be looking at. And we still just got nothing but rejections, which... I think is important for folks listening in that have never started a business before. You can't let no stop you because eventually what we did was we brought in some investors who were outstanding and we decided we want to be a fly on the wall and learn. And so our first deal was more about, okay, how can we monetize this and how can we educate ourselves? And our second deal was really our first deal because that was our first deal without training wheels, if that kind of makes sense.
1: You mentioned the person's name. Who is we?
0: Ian Tudor is my business partner, and I have not asked my investors if I have permission to talk about them, so I'd prefer to leave them out.
1: Yeah, I would never ask for your investors' names, but your business partner is Ian Tudor. Okay. Yeah. How did you meet Ian?
0: Believe it or not, we grew up in the same neighborhood, and if you asked him, he would say he absolutely hated me growing up, (laughs) but we kept in touch, and we bumped up when I was doing my MBA internship in Miami, and he was in Orlando. We hung out a bunch of times, discovered we'd be great business partners, and four years later, talking almost every single day, we've grown a business and were able to quit corporate America and have done pretty cool things that we probably had no business doing just because we refused to stop when we were told no.
1: On that first deal, what did he bring to the deal in terms of value and what did you bring
0: to the deal in terms of value? Sure, so Ian is an underwriter. So that's what his background is in. And he found a new up-and-comer broker who was weak in underwriting. So what she was doing was funneling him off market deals so he could help her underwrite and also teach her. So he provided value to this broker and she provided value to us because what ended up happening there was we got to look at a great deal before it ever went to market. Mm. So that's where he brought the value to that first deal. Where I brought value to the first deal was my networking because eventually we ended up finding the right bank and we ended up finding the right investors. But I don't think it's fair to necessarily put that in those buckets because we were both wearing many hats during that process. But if I was to just say, boom, this is what Ian did, boom, this is what I did, that's probably with a little blurry in the lines,
1: that's probably the Of course. Even after many deals, the lines are still blurred on responsibilities, but that's helpful to categorize them, at least for this conversation's purpose the up-and-coming broker that Ian met, how did he meet her?
0: Straight networking. Ian and I are obsessed with getting people on the phone. doesn't matter if you've never bought real estate before or if you own billions of dollars of real estate. We want to get you on the phone. And I got to say, Joe, that most of the times when I reach out to someone, especially when I started, they were not interested in taking my call. So I got to say of the hundred people that both of us reached out to, Probably less than half actually took our call, and she was one of them. Probably because she too was mm-hmm. just turning out. And do
1: you remember how Ian found her to initially reach out?
0: Man, that was four years ago. That's tough, uh, but I will put it to you this way: we hit any avenue we can. We ask people, "Hey, do you think is there anyone that would be cool for you to introduce us to?" And vice versa. We do LinkedIn. We do Facebook. We look people up online. There's so many avenues. Any stone that we can unturn, we try to unturn. So that would be a great question for Ian, but those two just hit it off. They're still buds to this day, really close friends. You just got to turn up the rocks and see what's under them. And was there a particular focus
1: on mobile home parks at the time? So that's the type of people you're connecting with? Or is it just
0: more general? Absolutely. So primary goal at that time, and and really still, is anyone who has any interest in mobile home parks, I want to talk to you. Whether you bought them or not, you own them or you don't, I, I would love to get on the phone with you. And that was kind of our focus at the time. And we really decided mobile home parks fit our skill sets extraordinarily well. This was going to be it. We've looked at marinas, we've looked at RVs, but we keep coming back to our skill sets are set for mobile home parks. So it's almost exclusively been mobile home parks.
1: Okay. And how do your skill sets fit mobile home parks?
0: Straight car dealership. When I graduated in 2009, undergrad with a degree in psychology and a big dream of being a salesperson, business to business, and no one was hiring. And I went, all right, well, I guess I got to settle with car sales. It taught me everything I needed. It was probably the best job I could have ever not realized that I needed to have because it was rejection every day you show up. So it's learning how to get basically punched in the face. And then when that next customer walks through the door, if you're not smiling, you may cost yourself a sale. So you have to learn how to pick up your own emotions rather quickly because that next person walking through the door, it's not fair to them that your boss just yelled at you or you just blew a sale because X, Y, or Z, or someone was calling you a, scummy car salesmen, even though they've never met you before. That plus persuasion, overcoming objections, negotiating organization, learning how to use business analytics, statistics, all of that was perfect for mobile home parks because it is a lot of learning how to deal with confrontational situations, be it in a yourself and your business because people don't just flock to you. You have to put yourself out there to get them to come to you and have to have word of mouth. So it's a lot of sales. It's a lot of marketing. It's a lot of organization. It's a lot of things you would not expect you need if you just listen to the hype stories about mobile home parks, which are, wow, it's a great investment. There are 10 caps everywhere. Buy it from mom and pop's. And you set it and forget it. It is quite the opposite. And mom and pops, by the way, can be in and of itself are a sale. You have to convince them that you are not like everyone else who's calling them. So I've got to say selling cars was probably one of the best things for me in terms of enjoyment, yet it fits this industry like a glove.
1: How do you differentiate yourself when you're having those conversations to position yourself not like everybody else who's calling them?
0: With the mom and pops, well, one big thing is I speak Spanish. I'm on my properties. I do not have a fund. I do not have pressure to acquire. I go for the long game. I like to show up at folks houses, obviously, if I'm invited and (laughs) shake their hand. I I have a feeling you'd show up even if you weren't invited. True story. I have done that before. (laughs) I showed up at a woman's house and we ended up watching Wheel of Fortune and we had such a great conversation. It pulled over into the prices, right? So we ended up spending a couple hours. And I've got a baby boy on the way. And she texts me every now and then and asks me how my wife is doing with the pregnancy. So look, you have to be different. And the way that I want to be different, and I have been successful being different is I'm doing things no one else wants to do. Who wants to go and knock on someone's front door? Who wants to pick up the phone every morning and get yelled at and hung up on? Who wants to do anything other than call someone and say, will you sell me a property right now? No? Okay, hang up, right? I constantly am looking to put myself in situations that differentiate myself. And one big thing I'm not afraid of is being embarrassed. If you ask my wife, she hates it. She's like, you'll literally walk the dog in dress shoes, dress socks, athletic shorts, and a tank because you just don't care what people think about you. But I care what people think about you it's weird, dude. You're doing mobile
1: homes. Why are you knocking on front doors?
0: No one else is doing it. And but the first... whose
1: who's front door are you knocking on?
0: Sellers, potential sellers.
1: Sellers. So their residence where they live, you're knocking on their front door? Or like, what? help me understand the situation where you're Absolutely.
0: On your Absolutely. So I'll give you a good for example. There was an elderly woman who... We called a bunch of times, had wonderful conversations with, but every now and again, she'd just disappear for 30 days. And one time she kind of casually was like, oh yeah, sure, come on over. And long story short, she set up a time for us to go over and we went over and she was in the hospital and we met her whole family. And long story short, we ended up knocking on her door several weeks later when we figured she was probably back And yeah, literally we showed up at her residence. Now it wasn't completely cold out of the blue. Who are you? Go away. This is trespassing. This was more of a warm knock on her front door, but we have done that several times. I've also done the cold knock on the front door as well. I've showed up to mobile home parks and just walked into the office, but all of the above because what's happening in our industry now is you have wholesalers coming in with boiler room types of telemarketers just trying to find the low hanging fruit you have tons of brokers and you have tons of folks sending mailers and the competition is just exploded so i do anything in my power to be different because otherwise i'm no different than everybody else who's calling and sending mailers and doing all that stuff
1: has walking into the office cold resulted in a completed transaction for you
0: It has not. We are getting very, very close with one, but I will say that one that we did close here in Gastonia, North Carolina, right outside of Charlotte, it wasn't knocking on our front door. We showed up at the property with an LOI and a contract after months of talking with them. And the reason why we showed up is because the seller said, you know what? We like you guys we want to do business with you guys. It sounds like the price is right, but we just want to wait until January, 2019 for tax reasons. And I remember Ian did this and I got to give him all the praise in the world for doing this because he walked me through the objections that the seller threw out. And I said, show up at the property when we know she's there and we're in at least somewhat warmly invited. Yep. So in other words, Hey, Mr. And Mr. Owner, Are you around then? Well, yeah, we're in a home right now. We're working. Great. Do you mind if I stop by? Yeah, sure. So he shows up with the contract and the LOI. And I told Ian, this is what we did in car sales. This is what you're going to do when you get there. You show up, you give them the pitch. You say, hey, look, it takes 60 to 90 days to close, period. Because it was August. Why don't we go ahead and sign this contract just in case the economy takes a dip? We know the price. The economy takes a dip. This price is locked in. We will literally do everything we have to do with the bank and the appraisals and the surveys and everything. So that way on January 1st, 2019, all you have to do is sign and it's done. And then just sit there and don't leave. <laughs> it took over an hour. This is a hysterical story because he showed up, he walked him through it, same objection. And then he said, well, why don't we go through the contract? And she said, we'll just leave it here. And he said, okay. And he left it there and he just sat there. Created an awkward silence. Didn't say anything, which is by design. And that awkward silence unearthed another objection. And then it was just that, well, I got to go through the contract. Which is legit. Which is legit, (laughs) right. But it's also a dodge too. Because, oh yeah, here, leave it here. And then you leave and then they got you out of there, right? So then it was great. I'll wait right here while you go through it. Well, I got to finish this subfloor job. Okay, I will wait in my car then. So then he went out and waited in his car. I'm surprised the-
1: they didn't offer to help with the subfloor job.
0: I hate to say it, but neither of us are very good handy folks. So you <laughs>
1: could do something, move some materials around or
0: Joe, you're giving me some ideas here. Play I some love that.
1: Spotify, play their favorite playlist, at least from your phone while they work.
0: <laughs> That's actually a great idea. I might try to offer that like, Hey, you're doing some tiling work. You definitely need an extra hand here. Let me help out. But here's my favorite part of the story is he went out and he sat in his 2006 Honda CRV with very limited questionable air conditioning in the hot North Carolina sun in the middle of August and waited for her to walk back out, which she did. And then he sat in his car with the window rolled down for what he describes to be forever. (laughs) And they went through every single line of that contract and he left with a signed contract that day. So when I say my skill set and our skill set really ends too, because he doesn't have sales experience, but he is a natural salesperson. Mm -hmm. It fits like a glove. And that's just the only way you can compete when it is a hot market right now, because it is a seller's market right now.
1: Mm -hmm. Thinking about one other mobile home park that you've closed on, what's one other way that you've found the deal?
0: Networking has been phenomenal. So I'll give you a good, for example, if an outfit is selling their way up, in other words, they maybe built a giant portfolio on two and three star, and now they're selling while the market is good up to four star properties. A lot of times you can snag something off market because someone knows you can perform eight mobile home parks, $20 million. Plus you've heard of me and we've talked several times and maybe we've had a beer, maybe we've had a lunch, maybe we joke about the NBA together I've had several looks at several properties, a lot of which I've passed on, but several which we've closed from bigger name folks who are like, look, I don't want to put this to market because I don't want to see a bunch of knuckleheads who've never bought stuff before. I'd rather just sell it at a fair price, get it off my books. This is less than 10% of my company's overall revenue. It's a liability to me at this stage. You guys are growing. You're comfortable with two and three star assets. Here's a fair price. Boom. So that's one way to do it. And then obviously another off-market way. So obviously networking is huge. And then also I know a ton of folks through my podcast who anytime I see a deal, I pitch it off to them. And I'm happy to do that. So literally not even an hour ago, a broker brought me a deal off-market that I had already looked at and I immediately connected her with someone else. So there's plenty of folks within my network who've reached out to me who I am happy to pitch something off to you. So networking is huge. If you're listening in right now, reach out to me, reach out to folks like Joe, because you never know if you're, hey, I'm looking for something in Greensboro, North Carolina, about this many units. If you're in the back of our minds and we have good deal flow, we see a lot of deals, we'll think of you. And if you're like me and you like helping other people out, you get something off market from a broker or you make a cold call and the deal doesn't make sense for you, we'll call you. And that comes right back to me. I've done several deals just like that.
1: Taking a giant step back, based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: Bet big on yourself. So I don't know if you've ever watched the Austin Powers series. They're totally silly movies with Mike Myers in it, but there's- I'm not a
1: fan, but I know it. I know
0: (laughs) of it. I hate those movies, but go ahead. (laughs) I don't blame you. There is one line which I was sitting down with a single family home flipper. Just as, here, let me help you out, man, kind of thing, because I don't do single-family home flips. But it was one of the best meetings I have ever had with a newbie home flipper, not interested in mobile home parks. I'm not interested in his. We sat down, and he hit me with the line from Austin Powers, from the fat bad guy who says, I'm unhappy because I eat, and I eat because I am unhappy. And he hit me with the real estate equivalent of that line, which is, I can't go full time because I don't have deals and I don't have deals because I'm not full time. And when I pressed him on that, I said, well, what's stopping you from quitting your job, going and living in one of your flips to cut expenses? Like, what is the one thing holding you back right now from increasing your deal flow? And he's like, man, if I could just go full time. And I was like, can you get a job in 12 months? If you just said, in 12 months, if I can't make my business happen by giving it full time effort. And he looked so uncomfortable, Joe. He was so uncomfortable, but he was like, you know what? You're right. And I'm proud to say that he's not going to just quit his job tomorrow. He's going to take the next three to six months to plan for it. But he is going to do it. He's going to bet big on himself. Obviously, plan because he's got kids and da, 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 da. But it's going to take some prep because it took me a lot of prep, too, to go full-time, even without kids. It took me a lot of time to prep. So don't just blindly jump into it. But here's the thing. If the one thing stopping you is deal flow and you are confident you can get that deal flow if you devoted your full-time to it, what are you going to say when you're 80 years old, looking back on this, when you're in your early 30s or 20s or even in your 40s or 50s? What are you going to say? Are you going to say, boy, I'm glad I stuck with the job that I hated? Or are you going to say, when I was a young lad, I had the courage to bet big on myself. And if it fails, even though it failed, I learned so much. And I'm glad I took a chance on myself. Because if that's the worst you're going to say when you're 80, the flip of that is, boy, I quit corporate America. I literally work from my couch now. And I get to do what I want, when I want. And I live my career dream. If that's the upside there, why wouldn't you bet big on yourself? So that's probably my, bar none, my best advice to anyone looking to break into the industry.
1: Amen to that. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you own a rental property, TransUnion Smart Move can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to TenantScreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantas discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellindwellynn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn forward slash show.
0: Okay, real quick, best ever book you've recently read? Oh man, that is just so tough because there's so many I want to talk about. Probably Chris Voss, and I'm going to forget the name of it. Never Split the Difference. Never Split the Difference, bar none best negotiation book I've ever read.
1: Mistake You've Made on a Transaction.
0: Not checking water bills.
1: Best ever deal you've done, which one?
0: Probably Countryside Mobile Home Park because it was a huge win for the residents, huge win for us, huge win for the investors. Everybody won. Best ever way you like to give back? My time. Call me. Email me. Doesn't matter what type of real estate you're getting in. I want to help you. I want to talk to you.
1: And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing?
0: Ryan Narus, N-A-R-U-S, that's N like Nancy. Just literally Google me, shoot me a line. All my contact information's there. My podcast there. All my YouTube videos are there. I have nothing to sell. I have everything to give, give, give.
1: Ryan, enjoyed our conversation thoroughly. Love your never quit, very resourceful, gonna make things happen approach, a do whatever it takes type of attitude. And loved hearing the story about Ian and the sale that took place in August when perhaps it, for most people, would have taken place in January or not at all taken place without that perseverance. So thank you for being on the show. Enjoyed our conversation. Hope you have the best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon.
0: Loved it, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Are you ready to close
1: more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellenn.com forward slash show. That's dwellynn.com forward slash show.